In 2014, I knew nothing about foster care. I, I, knew, I didn't know what DCS stood for. I didn't know anything about the plight of the children as they entered the system. All I knew is that I was supposed to adopt. Week seven of that foster care training, they had us meet in the Department of Children's Services. And we were sitting in a conference room and there were no windows. And the gentleman leading the class said, when a child is removed from their home, they come here. And I looked around this room that was far from inviting and I thought, surely he's wrong. And so I raised my hand and I said, I'm sorry, sir, but when you mean a child comes here, what do you actually mean? And he said, a little girl slept in this room last night. And in that moment, God said, these are my children, Rhonda. What are you gonna do? How do you bring a child into your home? You can't halfway love a child. You're gonna love them 100%. And even though you don't know that's in you, it is. And then the court call and say, they have to go back. That scared us to death, but I never will forget the moment that we both were like, it's not about us. This might not turn out the way we want it to turn out at all, but Isaiah still needs a mama today. And Isaiah still needs a daddy today. We had this moment and God showed up with joy and God showed up and blessed our efforts because that's what he's calling all of us to do is get outside ourselves and get outside our fears. And when we do, when we stand in that place of unknown, that's where he is. And that's what we found through foster care. Every aspect of this community got behind and got excited about what if there was a home. So when we headed out into Carter County with this dream of what if there was a house, um, a few things happened. Um, I got my first ever Facebook page. I'd never been on the Facebook. So we started posting and sharing and people started liking and sharing and all of a sudden there was like this social media craze right here in our little Carter County bubble. And then we decided to sell some t-shirts. We had 100 orders in 30 minutes and I probably believed somewhere that this was a one-time, wow, Carter County, what a cool place to live. And then Greene County did the same thing. And then Washington County did it. And then Sullivan County did it. And now Blunt's doing it. And Rutherford and Knox, it's like once the community is aware that not in some far off land, not somebody else's children, the children of your community feel unloved and feel that there's no hope. And once the community is made aware, the entire community gets behind it. As we move forward, our mission stays the same. No child sits in a cubicle or a conference room. No child feels alone or hopeless on that day of removal. That is our mission. And it started as a mission for No Child in Carter County. It's turned into a mission of No Child throughout the state of Tennessee. And if I'm honest, and it scares me, it's a mission of No Child anywhere. Good morning, church. Well, as you know, our Christmas offering this year is uh, going to uh, be designated toward our men's recovery home, of course, 
and also uh, this Isaiah house. And this is a nice introduction to that whole concept. We talked about it a bit last week. And this apparently is a missing link in the chain of care for these children across the country. When DHS has to remove a child from a home, where do they go before they're placed in foster care or other arrangements? And we discovered in Muncie, Delaware County that there was no place for these children to go. They were staying in the office, sleeping there, sometimes for days, sometimes longer. And that's intolerable. And so we are going to build this house. And of course, lots of folks will be participating uh, in the community, raising the funds and providing materials, that sort of thing, to build the house. Uh, But that doesn't matter because we are going to build this house one way or the other. And so thank you for uh, your generosity in the Christmas offering this year. You can go online and contribute to the Christmas offering anytime, uh, or you can drop uh, an offering in the box on the way out or at the Welcome Center. Uh, We will take an official formal Christmas offering a week from today during our Christmas Eve services at 1, 3, 5, and 7. And so thank you for your generosity and and being extra generous this year so that uh, we can get a a good start and a good base for uh, the construction of this home. We're looking forward to being part of that. Great blessing. So thank you. If you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 25 to 34, and then one verse from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word, so as you're able, thank you for doing that. These are the words of Jesus, and it comes under the heading, Do Not Worry. Anyone have any worry or anxiety in your life today? Anyone? Am I the only one? I know you do. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And now from Isaiah's, the prophet, chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, everyone say it with me, Prince of Peace. May God inspire and encourage us through his word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Let me throw out some statements about worry. See if you connect with one of them. Don't worry about your past. And by that I mean stop looking where you've been and start looking where you're going to be with God's help. 
Now, if I, if I stop the sermon right now, this is good preaching. Stop looking back and start looking forward. Here's, here's a misnomer. The idea that if I have gotten off track, I've lost, kind of lost my way, my relationship with God has been strained. You know, I just, I, I made some bad choices and I went off the road. Or maybe I've never been on the road. And I've never really had a good relationship with God. Regardless of your story, the misnomer is that somehow I have to position my life. You know, if I, if I strayed off the road for a while, I have to retrace my steps back to the last point that I had some connection with God and start over. Or that if I never had a relationship with God, that somehow I've got to clean it up, straighten it up, sort it, up, sort it out before I can actually initiate a relationship with God. That's not true. Here's the truth. God will actually go to wherever you are, no matter how far flung, far afield you may have drifted away from God. God will go wherever you are and meet you right where you need him. This is really good news. This is really helpful. God will meet you right where you are at the very point of your greatest need, and he will take you from that place to a hopeful, productive future. That's good news, isn't it? That's encouraging. And so believe that today and give yourself permission to stop worrying about the past. The fact is that your past has been both forgiven and forgotten. This is the power of God's forgiveness. This is, this is amazing grace that he can take all of the problems, foibles, and sins of the past and not only forgive it, but also forget it and give you a brand new start, a fresh beginning. Isn't that wonderful? So stop worrying about your past. Jesus looked at a career criminal hanging next to him on the cross. You'll remember Jesus uh, was flanked on either side of the cross with two criminals. These guys were awful, hideous criminals. These guys were bad boys. And one of them, even as they were dying on the cross, said to Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. Now that's all it took. That was sufficient enough for Jesus to say to this guy, done. This very day you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, well, wait a minute, what have you done? Tell me your story. I mean, how bad is it? None of that. He just said, please help me. And Jesus said, I will. You're forgiven. How good is that? That's very powerful. Here's another worry statement. Don't worry about the opinion of others. I'm about to help somebody. You ever feel alone? Feel like your life doesn't matter? Kind of lost its meaning? Let me just offer this. Go where you are celebrated instead of where you are tolerated. Go there in relationship. Never spend more time on a critic than you would give to a friend. I've seen so many people with a sincere heart wear themselves out trying to win the friendship of someone who doesn't like them. If they don't like you, leave them alone. Go find someone who does like you. Hang out with them. I can't believe he said that. If that's what you think, you're the person I'm speaking to right now. (laughs) 
As it turns out, you are a divine creation. The Bible says that you're part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a child of God. You are a a joint heir with Christ. You are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. So stop worrying about what other people think about you. Be happy and live in the sunshine of God's joy because you are somebody. Enjoy it. This is done by casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. This is in 1 Peter 5, 7. Look on the screen at John 14. The Bible says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what we learn about Jesus is that he's bigger than any crisis you're in. He's greater than any mountain you happen to be facing. He's greater than the giants in your world. He's greater than the greatest. He's higher than the highest. He's bigger, he's, he's better, he's all of that. And he loves you just the way you are. He is our all in all and the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. In Matthew chapter 6, our text today, uh, we have a stress seminar from Jesus. Five times in this chapter, he says, take no thought, be not anxious, do not worry, over and over again. And he lists the things that typically people worry about, get anxious about. Verse 25, he said, don't worry about your life. The word life there is a Greek word, suke, translated meaning the temporal physical life. He said, so the things of your physical, temporal life, those needs, don't worry. I got you in those categories. Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And indeed, we can't. The Bible reminds us that God is our defender, our healer, our provider, our rock, our high tower into which we run, our sword, our shield. He also describes himself as Jehovah Shammah. There are a handful of compound names for God. Some of you know these names, like Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. One of the compound names of God is Jehovah Shammah, which literally means the Lord who is there. I served on the board of a mission agency for many years, and I got to meet many, many wonderful servants of God, missionaries who serve around the world. One of my friends, her name is Kim Kaling. Kim and her husband and two small children years ago were serving in the African country of Liberia. And during their tenure there, there was a civil war that broke out. And there were terrorists, these mercenaries that were going through the countryside, terrorizing people and murdering people. Kim and her family and other associates lived in a compound, and this compound was overrun one day by drunken, demonized men, terrorizing people, murdering people. Kim's best friend was dragged out into the front yard of her home, and and someone just hit her with a hammer and killed her. Kim was separated from her husband. You You can imagine now the insanity of a moment like this, the, the, the crime, crying, the screaming, the gunfire. She's separated from her two small children. Uh, they were in another room screaming. Her husband had been dragged out into the front yard. She didn't know if he was alive or dead. They forced her onto her knees, and someone put the barrel of a rifle right into the back of her head 
And there she was kneeling on the floor with, with this insanity all around her. And she said, in that moment, I prayed a simple prayer. She asked this question, Lord, are you here? Good question. She reported to me and to the others in the meeting that that day that from behind her and to her right, she actually identified the source of the voice. She said a voice clear and strong pierced through all of that insanity, all of that confusion, all of that noise, and a voice simply said, yes, I am here. Kim and her family survived that event and continued to serve. He is there when you call on him. He's there when you need him. He's a good God. He's good all the time. His angels actually go before you and behind you, prepare your way to protect your rear guard. Our current president and former presidents all have secret service agents who protect these guys. They're trained in firearms and hand-to-hand combat and evasive tactics. The Bible says that you have a squadron of angels, invisible secret service, who go before you and behind you. Look on the screen at Psalm 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The Bible says that the Lord guides us and protects us and provides for us. So don't worry. Don't don't fear and don't be anxious. King David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote Psalm 23, which we've all heard. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't worry, because our God cannot fail. He makes streams in the hottest desert. That's what he can do. Don't worry because he can turn the darkest night into the brightest day. That's what he can do. How about this one? Look on the screen. Don't worry about growing old. It happens. And it happens quickly. Can I get a witness? Now here's the good news. We're all going to live forever. 50 million years from now, we're all going to be alive somewhere. And we're all going to have perfect, pain-free bodies. Hallelujah. That's a really good thing. You won't recognize me because I'll have all my curly hair back. (laughs) All you young boys in the room right now, look at me. I am your future. Put your hand like this and just say, (laughs) bye-bye. So don't worry. Heaven has been promised to us. 
Paul said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God has in store for them that love him. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Have you noticed worry always shows up at the worst time? It always comes at a time of crisis. Always comes when you really need to have your wits about you. Have your nerves, you know, settled so you can make a good decision. Worry always comes at the worst possible time, like a dark cloud to hide the light. And so think about this. I'll put this on the screen for you. Worry is actually an achievement. <laughs> what do I mean? Well, you were not born to worry. You only achieve worry because you give effort to it. If you're an accomplished musician, for example, or an accomplished golfer, it's because you have spent countless hours practicing. That's how you get good at such things. I've discovered personally that I cannot play golf and be a Christian at the same time. <laughs> I can do one or the other, but I can't do both. Some of you know why. So worry is actually an achievement. And if you've been practicing worry, stop it. It's not good. It's not helpful. It is a total and complete waste of time and energy. Don't worry. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 37. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me put this on the screen. Worry is a killer. It makes cowards out of confident people. It'll fill your face with wrinkles and apprehensions. It'll restrict your mind from thinking the best kinds of thoughts. It'll rob your body of sleep at night. It'll send you to work all messed up and unprepared. Medical science confirms that worry produces cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, and heart disease. It's not what you're eating. It's what's eating you. Worry has sent many a Bible-believing Christian to an early grave because they did not trust in Jesus Christ to be the Prince of Peace. Here's another statement. Worry is a sin. Worry is, worry is practical atheism. Let that sink in. Worry proves that you don't believe that God can take care of you. Worry is actually placing your faith in the things you're afraid of. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Sometimes people get complimented because of their great faith. This has happened to me from time to time. Uh, Pastor Greg, we're so, uh, we're so impressed with your faith. You just have such strong faith. That's, imp that's impressive. My question is, why are people complimented for having faith in God? I mean, why should you be congratulated for placing your faith in a good God who never fails? Doesn't seem like that big a deal. Seems like it requires more faith to trust in something that only works once in a while. As it turns out, our God never fails, ever. So faith is believing God will do it for you. Two, two of the most prominent words in Jesus' ministry as recorded in the Gospels is fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't fear your past. Your sins are forgiven and forgotten. God has buried your sins in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered. He separates your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. You are free. He whom the sun sets free is free, and he never fails. 
There are a number of self-limitations that God has placed on himself. Maybe you've never thought about this. He cannot, for example, he cannot deny himself. He cannot turn a deaf ear to a person who is repenting of their sins. I'm sorry for my sins. God always hears that prayer. God cannot lie. He cannot remember sin that's been covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So don't worry about your past. Don't worry about your future. How about this one? Don't worry about death. Don't worry. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. King David said it again, Psalm 23, yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Think about that. The shadow of death is harmless. The shadow of a lion, for example, can't hurt you. The shadow of a serpent can't bite you. The shadow of a sword can't pierce you. And the shadow of death can't hurt you because death has been done to death. Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave. Every one of us are going to experience physical death, but it's just, a, it's just the, the, the means by which we pass through. We'll pass through the shadow of death. It has, no, it has no place. It has no harm. It has no threat. It has no power over us. We've been redeemed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to spend forever with him. And the way we get from here to there is to pass through the shadow. Won't take long and it won't hurt a bit. So we pass through. As it turns out, the Lord is the strength of my life. David said, of whom shall I be afraid? It's a good question, isn't it? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And so we rest in that truth, that promise. Here's another statement on worry. Don't worry about your enemies. What? No need to. God will, God will make your enemies to be at peace with you. Well, how does he do that? Well, let me explain a, a good illustration. God sent a man named Moses, a prophet named Moses, into a guy named Pharaoh, who was the leader of Egypt, who had held in bondage, captivity, slavery, the people of God, the Israelites, for 400 years. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, the, le the leader of this nation that enslaved the people of God, and he, and he said, let my first son go. If you let my first son go, and the interpretation there is, if you'll let my people go, the nation of Israel, my firstborn, my, my first son Israel, if you'll let Israel go, then I'll not bother you. But if you refuse, then I'm going to take the firstborn of every family in Egypt, including the livestock. Pharaoh's response to that was he thought it was a joke. Pharaoh thought that he could trifle with, with the God of heaven and that he could dismiss the prophet of God. And so and so he, he, simp he simply pushed aside the notion that the firstborn of the whole nation was going to die. He thought, it, he thought it was funny. He thought it was a joke. And judgment fell on all of Egypt. God promised David that a thousand will fall at your left hand and 10,000 will fall at your right hand. And that's why he was able to write, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Worry, as it turns out, is trust in the unpleasant. 
The Warrior says between climate change, socialist politicians, coming nuclear war, the existential threat of artificial intelligence, there is no hope for the future. Let me tell you what that is. That's worry and it's fake news and it drowns out optimism. It cancels out our faith and cancels out our hope. And anything that threatens to take our faith and our hope in a God who is faithful to his promises is fake news. It's not worth considering. So don't worry. An old man said, most of the things I worried about in life never happened. How about this one? Don't worry about what you're not. (laughs) I wish I was prettier than I am. Wish I was handsomer. Not sure that's a word, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I wish I was more talented. Wish I was a better doctor or lawyer or teacher or coach, business person. Wish I was a better preacher. Stop worrying about what you are not and start enjoying who you are. God made you as a divine original. There's no one like you. There's never been anyone like you. There'll never be another one like you again. You're completely and totally unique. You're special. You're the only one of your kind. There's all kinds of evidence for that, genetic, physical evidence. You're you're unique, so stop worrying. God made you a divine original. Don't die a cheap imitation of someone else. Enjoy who you are. Be thankful for it. Everyone's heard the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Don't worry about the collision of the planets. Don't worry about the federal government. Don't worry about the economic crash that's just around the corner. Don't worry about a natural disaster. Don't worry about your wayward adult child. Can I linger there for a moment? Listen, you're not a perfect parent, and no one is. And your young adult children are going to make the choices that they make, and they will live with the benefits and blessings of those choices or the consequences of those choices. Stop worrying about them. They're on their own journey. They're making their own choices now. Just let them go, place them in the hands of God. Stop worrying about them. Let me just remind you that the sun's going to come up in the eastern sky on the horizon in the morning at precisely in the millisecond that is supposed to come up. And this just simply is an illustration that God is in control. God is on his holy throne, and the best is yet to come. Don't worry, period. It's an absolute waste of time. Matthew 6 says, don't worry about what you have. Don't worry about what you eat or drink. Don't worry what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here's how, this is how Jesus illustrated this. He, he illustrated it with the, with, with the simple field sparrow. Jesus said, God notices when every sparrow falls to the ground. Just a tiny little sparrow, a very common little bird. It's hard to get get your mind around this, but think about it if you can, if you can imagine it. God notices every time a a sparrow falls. God attends the funeral of every sparrow that falls. Jesus is making the point very clearly. Listen, if God cares about the sparrows, what do you think he cares about you? He sees you. He knows you. He understands you. He'll meet you. He'll never leave you. Something uh, true about sparrows, birds in general, they don't read books on how not to worry. 
Think about it. Birds don't say, next year I'm going to build a bigger nest. In fact, I'm going to put an addition on the back side of the nest so I can have a flat screen out there on the patio. It's going to be amazing. Birds never, birds never overindulge. They only eat what they need for the day. Birds only get fat when someone puts them in a cage. That's a sermon for another day. Whose cage are you in? Sorry. He didn't have to say that. I was having a perfectly good experience. Our oldest son, Aaron, has been a salesman in his professional career. Uh, Medical sales has been uh, the most predominant form of sales he's done. In one seven-year stint, he got a very... A very nice job with the Da Vinci Surgical Robot Company. Some of you know about the Da Vinci Surgical Robot. Maybe you work with the robot or you've been a patient that, where the robot was used. The technology for, this, for the, this robot, surgical robot, was made by the United States military. And the, the concept was that you could take this machine and place it in the field where, where soldiers who may have been wounded and needed surgery could be operated on by a surgeon, a specialist surgeon, anywhere in the world through satellite technology so that a surgeon could, could, could set in, in whatever location they were in and have these two uh, control sticks, joysticks, if you will, on a console and looking at a high-def screen uh, that translated from this machine. If small incisions can be made in the body, very non-invasive, and the, the probes in this machine could go in with, lighted with a camera and so forth. And a surgeon could be anywhere in the world and perform surgery with this machine. Very cool technology. It actually works. And so what we discovered over time is that, is that these machines are much more precise than human beings are. Because everyone has a tremor. You know, our hearts are beating. Everyone's moving. Even the most skilled surgeon don't have absolutely precise maneuvering. And this machine is utterly precise, perfectly precise. And so Aaron's job, our son, was to recruit surgeons and train the surgeons on how to use this machine. Aaron, the training for his job was just like going to medical school. He, he spent months, literally months, uh, learning how to do some of the basic surgeries with his machines. They, he had to perform the surgeries himself and learn how to do it precisely on cadavers and, and pigs and that sort of thing. And when he graduated out of that, now he recruited and trained the surgeon and was in the operating room as a technical advisor to the surgeon when the machine is being used. And it was fascinating to listen to him tell stories. After about three years of this, one day I asked him a question, and I was hoping for one answer, but unfortunately I got another answer. I asked him the question, now you've worked with You've been in the OR hundreds of times and worked with dozens and dozens of surgeons. And I'm wondering uh, how much variety of skill and competency is found among surgeons from one surgeon to another. I was hoping he would say, well, you know, they're highly trained, highly skilled, competent people. They wouldn't give them, you know, credentials to operate if they weren't competent. And so I was hoping he'd say they're pretty much the same. When I asked him the question, he looked at me and he said, the difference between surgeons is the same as the difference between preachers. 
and plumbers and every other kind of person who requires skill to do their job. Now, how many of you are feeling anxiety right now? <laughs> you realize, oh no, I should worry. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to alleviate worry today. I know I'm causing trouble. So I was a little disappointed, but not surprised to hear that answer. Um, so he's in the OR one time, and then I would ask him, what is the most stressful experience you've had in the OR? And he said, well, I've had a few, but he said, this was one of them. Uh, the surgeon was doing a, a hysterectomy on a woman, and she had some scar tissue, which is common endometriosis. And, and so the surgeon was removing some of the scar tissue in that procedure and got engrossed in what they were doing. And some of you know the anatomy of that part of the body. From the kidneys down to the bladder, there's a tube, a urethra, that runs from the kidneys down to the bladder. And when you're in that region of the body, you want to be careful not to nick the urethra because if you dump urine into, into your abdomen, that's very serious, very dangerous, and infection, it can be, it can be life-threatening. Uh, you have to pull the machine out, open the patient completely up, and evacuate you know, all of this bacteria. And so don't nick the urethra. It's one of the, one of the things you've got to pay attention to. So, so this surgeon was working on removing this scar tissue and he was, the surgeon was getting close to the urethra. And Aaron noticed this. And there's protocol that the technician can give to the surgeon. And the first line of protocol is to simply say the, the, the doctor's name and the concern you have in a normal tone. Uh, Dr. Smith, you're getting close to the urethra. Aaron said, I, I made that announcement. He didn't pay any attention to me. Just kept going. And it's, he's getting close. And so the second line of protocol is to raise your voice a little louder, which is, Dr. Smith, you're getting close to the urethra. You know, pay attention. And that didn't get through. And so now uh, Aaron is starting to get very anxious because the surgeon's about to make a very serious mistake. And the third level protocol is to put your hand on the shoulder of the surgeon and in a loud enough tone and with enough aggression to get their attention. Dr. Smith, you're very close to the urethra. Aaron said at this point, the surgeon came to their senses, realized how delicate and desperate this moment was, and the surgeon panicked. And in the panic, you know, now starts to flinch with these controls in their hand and very dangerous and very threatening. And so Aaron finally had to remind the, the surgeon of how to stop everything. And the, da Vinci, the genius of the da Vinci surgical robot is that the way to bring everything that could be dangerous to a complete and perfect stop is to simply let go of the controls. And so Aaron now, with great insistence, let go. And finally the surgeon let go. And in time, everyone was okay. Pastor, it's easy to say, don't worry. 
It's easy to preach. Don't worry. But the way that you relieve your life, your mind, your heart, your soul, your body of anxiety and worry is to let go. You have to let go. Let go. Jesus said, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so the way to get free of worry is to open your hands, open your heart, and give it to Jesus. Just let go. Let go of that. Now bow your heads with me. I wonder how many of you are worried right now about something in your life or family. It's, it's troubling so, so much that it's disturbing your peace. I wonder how many of you are worried about your past or your future or a business venture or your marriage, your children, your family. Maybe you have a personal problem from which you can see no answer. Maybe you've lost a loved one and the grief seems unbearable to you. You don't know how you're going to make it. Maybe you feel alone. You feel insignificant. Or you feel that life is meaningless. I can assure you, it is not meaningless. God has purpose, plan for your life. Yes, he does. Now, if you're feeling one or more of those things, could I just invite you, just raise your hand where you are. Pastor, I, yeah, that's a, that's a big number, big number of you. Could I ask you to pray with me as we conclude this service? Just pray out loud after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I receive freedom from every form of doubt and fear and worry that destroys my peace. Today, in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I let go of all of these worries. I receive his peace, peace that passes understanding, peace that allows me to sleep at night, without concern for tomorrow or yesterday. In this moment, I cast every care upon Jesus because he cares for me. Jesus is my burden bearer and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? Shadow
Neighbors wait.